Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. As we approach the year end, this is another podcast episode where, where we're not actually here. I mean, technically I'm here. But I'm here before you listen to this. Way, way before you listen to this. I don't know where I am. Because I'm not actually there yet. I'm sitting down now, headset on my own. I have no co-hosts. I don't know where the co-hosts are. So I thought, you know what? This is the best time in the world to put out an extra episode and give you another one of those wonderful Grimfest specials like the fantastic Pollyanna Macintosh one that I did a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe it's three weeks ago. Maybe it's a month ago. I don't know. But either way, this is probably still 2019. The year is going way too fast. And the amazing news about from uh, Grimfest is that they've announced the dates for 2020. It is not three days. I'm sad. It's not three days. I love those three days. Nope, it's not three days. It's five days that they're doing next year. So that's going to cost me even more in a hotel and uh, even more in popcorn but I don't care. They've announced guest number one, who is the wonderful Mick Garris. If you don't know his name, Google it. He's done so many things. He did Hocus Pocus. He did the TV miniseries of The Shining, and he directed one of my all-time favorite films, slash TV series, slash miniseries, slash event series, Stephen King's The Stand. So fingers crossed, unless the people at Grimfest fall out with me, uh, this time next year, I will have met and spoken with Mick Garris. I'm so excited. But this is not a Mick Garris podcast. This is a Jane and Sylvia Soska podcast. So what you are about to hear is in a slightly different order than the Pollyanna McIntosh one. Because in that one, you heard my interview with her. You heard her po- uh, pre-film intro and you heard the post-film Q&A. Now, the Soska one was a little bit different because I met them last so after i'd seen the film after i'd seen their their post-film q a and after i'd seen their pre-film q a and also after i witnessed them for not one but two hours just meeting i don't know how many fans loads and i've never seen two more energetic women in my entire life they and then they still managed to speak to me for about 20 minutes so they are absolutely amazing so i wanted to share the uh the pre-film intro uh, turn turn your headphones maybe down a little bit because the the they are like human batteries these two and uh, just enjoy so normal service will resume but episode 500 i really really want to start off 2020 with episode 500 so i'm going to sandwich in a couple of extra episodes here and there but bob and rob are off doing whatever this week i think bob's been working and rob is still feeling poorly and uh, I've got the house all to myself. I've just sat down and watched the Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman, today. So I watched that on the day of release. So you can uh, you can probably work out when this podcast was recorded. But enough about Scorsese. He's not cinema. Jen and Sylvia Soska are cinema. So sit back, put your headphones on, and uh, just listen to how wonderfully crazy these two are. Enjoy the show. Cue the theme music. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen 
media empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm Jake Amino, the writer-director of The Asian. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart, page the screen. Dot com up in my bungalows. Snitch, yeah, that was my motorcycle running and tracking over the motherfucking snitch. Genius. With Dom, eating pizza and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen So, um, I, I don't know if you know these two, it seemed very quiet just now. These are the sauces, Jen and Sylvia. And, uh, and they are here to um, introduce their film, Rabbit, and to give them a really warm welcome. Let's make it twice as loud as you just did, because that was embarrassing, so let's go! I actually hate remakes. I think that usually they take advantage of the fans, and I consider myself a fan director. Volunteer approach. Yeah, her especially. But when we were approached to remake David Cronenberg's Rabbit, I was horrified to think if somebody that didn't love the original creator and the original film was going to do it, because they were going to make it anyway, so it had to be me. We made this film for an audience of one, Mr. David Cronenberg. But if you like him even as remotely as much as we do, you're in for one hell of a treat. So tonight, all of you are about to catch a mutated viral strand of rabies from Canada. Okay. <laughs> and we couldn't be happier! Thank you, Grimbus! I'll see who's still standing at the end of the movie. And we'll be here to hug everybody. just had reconstructive surgery. You can't take your bandages off just yet. Rose! I want you into work on time. <laughs> I just don't get Rose. She's so weird and sad. Did you ask Brad to bring me here? Can I get you a drink? Uh, who told you? Humiliated. Why would you do this to me? Schadenfreude. The pleasure derived from someone else's misfortune. I want you to keep in mind that this is going to be a process. Not to worry. 
with the proper diet, you'll be able to live a perfectly normal life. Stem cell manipulation is the key to life. They are already being sold to the most wealthy. like the accident never even happened. No, it's not like it never happened. I've been having vivid nightmares. Why am I dreaming about drinking blood? Well, people who dream about drinking blood often have unfulfilled yearnings. It's tied to the guilt of desire. Where can I take you, Rose? Nowhere. Ow! Do you for you? I'm insane. He bit me. An outbreak of rabies. Avoid all animals and humans exhibiting violent or erratic behavior. It spreads like an STD. If we do not stop it, it could affect all of mankind. What the fuck? How's your appetite? questions so people think that you know we're serious or something uh, why <clears throat> why make this movie now well the cool thing about David Cronenberg is 41 years ago when he did this he anticipated stem cell manipulation before it was actually a science and I don't know how many of you guys are studied up on transhumanism now that you've watched that way more. But, you know, like, all that stuff is really advancing right now. I mean, if you even look at the news, they have half rat, half human hybrid, half sheep. And how long are we going to be so that we're getting, like, not the good, like, lungs that all the rich people are getting? So I thought there's so much stuff you could play with in that. What she said. <laughs> well put, well put. So, um... In 1977, when Cronenberg had his rabbit come out, it was very much a comparison of the AIDS epidemic, looking at how some people were just considered beyond medical help. Um, what's that like now? What was your interpretation with rabbit? Well, the infection I believe that we're facing now is an infection of the mind. And you see it a little bit here, but you don't see it as predominantly as you see in North American culture. They are always being kept negative, hateful headlines. No matter what side you've picked, you're both angry, raving lunatics. And you watch that 
They're no longer, America is no longer drafting people. They're radicalizing young people in their streets. And it's becoming an epidemic. It's heading towards a civil war that everyone's joking about, but it's going to be happening sooner than later. When you become rabid, you become like a hateful person. And that's another thing we're speaking of. So you see people in this imaginary world being just awful to each other. You don't really know that they have rabies because people so casually treat each other like shit for no reason these days. So we really wanted to make people self-aware and show how terrible that looks on the screen. So um, you picked an interesting setting because now that you have seen the film, it is both gruesome and beautiful. And for this, you picked the fashion world. Now, why would you pick this scene to to make a depiction of your story? Well, a lot of people look at fashion and they're like, "Oh, that's so pretty. Oh, that must be more of a female eccentric or centered uh, industry." And yeah, at some points, but it's like so cutthroat and brutal and mean and horrible and we're thinking well Rose is gonna get this elective cosmetic surgery let's put her in this position where everybody's so obsessed with her physical manipulate or physical form and it's funny she's so obsessed with how she looks she's got this scar on her face she even has that like same scarf that Gunter has Gunter's doing his whole presentation at the beginning just for her. He's got a scarf. He's got a scarf. He's like, oh, she's my protege. She gets it. And the whole time she's like, he's making fun of me. Oh, nobody likes me. And that's, that's how we all are. We get so inside our heads. We don't even know what's going on. We're also making a commentary on the class system. We look at fashion and we look at medicine. When Rose goes to the first hospital, nobody would want to die in that hospital. I think a lot of the time we give a lot of power to the people that are in power positions. But we forget that doctors are like workers at a supermarket. They hate their clients, they get bored, they get tired, and some of us forget they get paid the exact same amount whether we live or die. So I think it's a terrible thing that there's a class system. I like how in fashion there is the ridiculousness of what they wear. Gautier even says, our fashion is not everybody. And you look at some clothes and it's rent, it's groceries. It's, you know, medical bills. It's absolutely, it's insane, the kind of money that we spend on things. And also, as you might hear internationally, they're, they're breeding half humans with like sheep and monkeys. That's because us poor people are gonna get the half sheep lungs that are untested and they're gonna be like, oh, go ahead. And the Rothschilds are gonna have a million other hearts. <laughs> I'm gonna be sheep man. I'm gonna be the strongest sheep. <laughs> Well, uh, I would like to pick up, because uh, we were already looking at uh, Gunther, um, and I want to start with the word schadenfreude, which is his, I mean, you all know what schadenfreude is by now, at least. Um, why would you pick this as the theme? It's the collection, it's the center of everything. Why schadenfreude? I knew that people were going to also hate this movie for literally no reason, just because they're I don't want to say jealous, but I want to say they're not happy with themselves. So as soon as somebody was going to say something shitty about my movie, I can go, haha, schadenfreude. And it's a big theme of everything. One thing that I'd like to say is, you know, remember when fans used to love the things they were fans of? There's so many, if you look at message boards, particularly in America, I'm so sorry, America, but you got to step up, I live above you. 
It's just it's just so awful. Anytime a movie comes out, I never read my reviews past a certain point because I don't want to see the I fucking hate those cunts. And that's all it is. I read a review of Rabbit that just was about how they don't like how excitable we are and how we speak and what we look like, and I'm like, I'm not even in the film that long. Like, what am I? What the hell? Just too goddamn excitable. What's wrong? With I you? know. Jeez. But I like being able to do the schadenfreude thing because before I was like, oh man, we're gonna remake a Cronenberg thing. There's people that are, that are gonna hate that even though he remade The Fly and I was like, well, let him hate it. Use it, that's my armor, that's my couture. I'm gonna wear schadenfreude for <laughs> You think I'm stupid? <laughs> schadenfreude, I hope you get off on that. You know, get off on my movie any way you need to. So, uh, so going back to Gunta, um, Mackenzie uh, Gray did a fantastic job. Uh, why, I mean obviously, why would you cast him, but, but even designing the character from, from creating the character in itself, just in theory, to, to hiring Gray to play him, what was the process in that? Well, we very much wanted this to be a super self-aware remake, which you probably noticed it was. Rose is remaking a fashion line with her hero. She doesn't feel that she's worthy of doing it. We're Hungarian, my family is all Eastern European, and sometimes love comes across very harshly. I love how at the beginning of the film you're like, oh, Gunther's a bit of an asshole, but at the end you're, he's so sweet, he's so loving. And uh, if Rose wasn't worthy of being in that position, she wouldn't be standing there in the first place. Mackenzie Gray is such an incredible character actor. I was really worried if it was somebody else, they would turn Gunther into a caricature, just a laugh. But he, he very much wanted to make him a Carl Lager. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, I haven't slept for a while. <laughs> um, yeah, and the cool thing also, I don't know, guys, do you know Mackenzie Gray? He's done so many different series. He's so, yeah, right? Mackenzie's awesome. Parents are here. Mackenzie, Mackenzie's here. But um, not only does he do the work, but he's that old style Hollywood, like he'll tell you his Malcolm McDowell stories, he'll tell you his keeper, he'll tell you all his stories, but he makes sure, if you noticed, every time Gunther was there, he had the models, he had the assistant, he had everybody, and he made sure everybody had a little bit and he'd practice it out and go through everything. And you don't usually get that when you're working with background artists, and you don't usually get that when you have a star working with background artists, because they're like, oh, this is me, this is no. He wanted to make sure everybody had something, so if they look good, he looked good too. Like the club where he was coming out, we originally had him coming out with one guy, and he's like, no, I think Kuto should come out with two people, a couple, and they're like, I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it should just be weird, like, what are they even doing? And then they're just like all over each other like that, like, all of the things around Gunther are magic, because Mackenzie's magic, he just elevated everything. Okay, super, super quick question before we get to the audience. We'll do our best. Yes. Oh, shut up. Why does the tentacle look like a phallus symbol? <laughs> Did it? <laughs> Scorpion tail, and it was coming out of a rose. Well, okay, now I see it. Yeah, yeah. The original, oh, my the original. Like, he had a beautiful, beautiful adult film store, uh, an amazing feminist Marilyn Chambers with her breasts out so much that nobody realized there's a fingering a butthole happening in her armpit. And I just think a butthole is maybe the most unattractive looking opening. So I said this. There's bleach, but. We, uh, yeah. I also love how in the original uh, Cronenberg snuck in pornographic imagery with the prosthetics, and we knew we weren't going to be able to sneak any hardcore sex stuff, so we did it with prosthetics. 
They're all consensual. Yeah. Very beautiful, scorpion rose. So, uh, audience, do you have any questions for the sauces? Yes, back there, good sir. Um, great. No, I wouldn't have even shown up if I didn't have Masters Effects. They, they do everything from six feet under to Handmaid's Tale, and they got us banned off Twitter for that, for this. <laughs> and then Steve Kostansky, right, right? And then Steve Kostansky, uh, who also directed The Void, and he was our head designer for uh, the Twisty Troy, like the more, the guy who tentacle because when someone got a tentacle they got super mutated and then of course for the beautiful Cynthia Burroughs' appearance later on. It's actually so exciting to get to go back to body horror. I've been doing normal shit for way too long. Normalish. Next, next question, yes. Congratulations on the film ladies. Uh, Thank, you. Thank you. Your love for Cronenberg is well known so what was the first Cronenberg film you saw and how old were you? The Fly and Too Young. <laughs> and we had to sneak them, so we actually didn't watch our Cronen first Cronenberg movies together. I saw Shivers, and I missed the beginning, and we weren't allowed to watch We had a very like conservative house, and I was like, oh, I think these slugs are doing something naughty. <laughs> and then a few years later, I snuck Crash, but I missed the beginning again, and I was like, what's going on? And then I figured out it was the same dude, and I was like, this guy knows how to make a movie. <laughs> Next question, yes. Thank you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, oh my god, you got a hat trick, someone give him a prize. <laughs> an entire Easter egg commentary because there's so many. I can't do a pure commentary because I'd probably just be saying, and then there's this, and then there's this, and then there's this, and Laura was great, and then there's this. Sorry, you had a question. I cut you off. <laughs> well, for this one, it wasn't necessarily a horror film that really inspired me, but Spider-Man 2. <laughs> I said she was my Tobey Maguire not really my Tobey Maguire. Just looking at Mary Jane at the beginning, except it's Marilyn Chambers back in the original movie. <laughs> uh, in the Mouth of Madness, you might have caught a bit of reference to that. Our costume designer, Morgan Shreenewson, was actually the costume designer of In the Mouth of Madness. And the dogs were trained by the same people who trained the dogs from In the Mouth of Madness. And I had that scene where CM Punk came through the window and I kept saying, like In the Mouth of Madness, like In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> Nobody knew, except she was like, oh, I worked on that. I was like, yeah, I know about the madness. <laughs> so it was cool. Excellent. Okay, we have time for one more question. One more question. Uh, also hard. You, shout. Uh, would, you, would you actually go out and ask CM Punk to be in the film? Or did he come to you to audition? Which one? Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh my gosh, okay, here's the story about us and CM Punk. So one day, my phone explodes because he decides to do a double feature of Hobo with a Shotgun and Dead Hooker to Trump. And I got a billion followers. I was like, that's so cool. What I didn't know is he also liked American Mary. So we went to the, everyone who liked horror in the WWE and gave them American Mary being like, you need to check this out. Then we worked for the WWE and us and Phil were like, here it goes. And we worked with Kane. And then we worked with Big Show and he was like, what the 
So as soon as I got this job, I, I messaged him right away because I knew he was a Cronenberg fan and he liked zombies and I thought Rabbit was close enough. I was like, Phil, where are we making Rabbit? Will you be the love interest? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then they're like, you can't have an American there. I was like, shit, will you play this other guy? He's like, I hate that guy. I'm like, will you play him? He's like, sure. <laughs> Super easy. Also, I never get CM Punk to audition. He's already so talented. As if you can direct and you, your actor has a body of work, don't make them audition. It's so insulting and it really freaks them out. It's such a nerve inducing it, especially for wrestlers. Wrestlers are so beaten down by Vince McMahon. Just make it as easy as this. Thank you. Thank you very much. I feel terrible for interrupting this Q&A. I could listen to these ladies all night. I'm sure you could as well. Uh, you already have had your time. <laughs> I have had my time. I've had my time. Today. We do have a bit of important business to get through, just quickly if everyone could stay in their seats, because we at the Horror Channel have been following these wonderful women's careers for 10 years now, I guess. I mean, we're, since you first put a dead hooker in a trunk. <laughs> we followed you through the brutal beauty of American Mary. We've watched you bring Kane back to life in See No Evil 2. And beyond that, we've admired your work in Blood Drive Awareness, You've been game show hosts, <laughs> comic book authors. Have I missed anything? Uh, we co-wrote the Deadpool triple X porn parody, but actually we put our name I on it. I did mention porn. I should have mentioned porn. The porn's in there. We have a special thanks though. If you like porn and you like Deadpool, good times. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But more important than that, uh, obviously, it's the work that they do, both representing and furthering the cause of female freedom makers, both in the industry and the genre, and I think that is almost important. So, so it is a great pleasure, very proud to give the Grimfest Horror Channel Achievement and Horror Award this year to Jen and Sylvia Soska. So, because we're running out of time, guys, they're, they're going to, Sosa's going to be outside now, so if you want to come and say hello, uh, get something signed, or get a photograph, I'm sure you'll be, oh, yeah. you'll be. We'll be out all out night. Okay. I'm a little bit glimpsed, guys, but I want to say, before this movie, Jennifer and I didn't know if we were going to continue doing this. This changed it. I can't thank you enough. Tie you up with cables. Oh, I'm not, uh, I'm uh. not bothered if they show, it's fine. It's just in oh. case that auditorium comes out. Copy, copy. I don't know if you want to be in it, 
Who plays Chelsea? She's yeah. in that. Really? Yeah, she's one of the bitches really? that I think gets murdered. <laughs> Same Hi. as our movie then. Hi. I had a little, I had like a list of questions. I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scrap all the questions. Fuck it, wing it. Because right? we're crazy. How's, how's your evening been? I've sunk watched it for <laughs> two hours, or over two hours, but we're still running. Yeah. Not a, not a energy sum. <laughs> where the hell do you get your energy from? Uh, off the people here. Rabbit was an extremely difficult experience and connecting with the fans at film festivals, it's so healing for us to be able to see the film and see ourselves again through the eyes of people who appreciate what we do. There's no words to say what that feels like. And that's why I have so much energy, because I go home and trust me, in Canada, people aren't chasing me down saying I love you. I have to go to the UK for that. We can go to mom's house. We can go to mom's house for that. Dad will say it. Why are they not chasing you down in Canada? You know, it's, uh, I think it's that curse of being a Canadian artist that you yeah. have to go somewhere else to be appreciated. Like, look at someone like Norman Jewis, and he directed uh, Moonstruck and Jesus Christ Superstar. Most people don't know he's a Canadian director, because Canadians almost feel like it's rude to show up. Mm -hmm. We're, well, obviously me and Jen market ourselves outside, so we're a little different from the great. I feel like we're like salmon and everyone's like, why are they going upstream? I'm like, because it's fun. Let's go. Take all the chicks. Make more weird movies. Dead hookers and trunks. David Cronenberg isn't appreciated as much as yeah. he should be, so I take that with a grain of salt in Canada. Canadians are just not that excited about anything. Yeah. Well, we're excited about Canadians. Ah! So that's, that's Thank amazing. you. So, 10 years ago, Dead Hooker and a Drunk. Yeah. Low budget film. Yes. Fast forward 10 years to now, yeah. you've revisioned Cronenberg movie. Yeah. If somebody went back and told you 10 years ago that you would be doing that, would you have thought, you know what, we, we might? Or would you think, uh, no? I would have thought, no, no way. way. <laughs> David Cronenberg's a real director. Yeah. And I, I would say, I'm running from the police and with a camera. <laughs> and the funny thing is, David says to be an artist is to be a criminal, mm -hmm. so the amount of laws we broke to make Dead Hooker, I think he would have been like, bent, bent. Well, we broke him. Do you want me to lose my street cred? No, no, we had the RCMP supporting us the whole time. <laughs> but from Dead Hooker in a trunk to basically Dead Ringers, it's, it's insane, that journey, and it really goes to show, if you want to do something, fail at doing something you love, follow your stupid fucking dream, sorry for the nastiness. Oh, awesome! Yeah, but that's our, and we, that's our phrase, we have that, follow your stupid fucking dreams, and they're like, why do you say stupid? Because a lot of people think their dreams are stupid. Mm -hmm. Go after the stupid thing. You think dead, making Dead Hooker wasn't the stupid thing? We've always done the stupid thing, and look where we are. I mean, you must have, in, at some point in your life, I've had it, because I've now branched into making my own film. Yeah, oh, wonderful. In the process of being done. Oh, congratulations! That's hard, man. And people have looked at me, or maybe yourself, way, way back, way before mm -hmm. Dead Hook in the Trunk, yeah. and you go, What do you want to be? Filmmakers, actresses? And they go, mm -hmm. Okay, really? Is that ever. I mean, it won't have stopped you, but have you ever had that look before? I think over here in the UK they do. They go, oh. You can't do that. Why you can't follow a dream? Oh. I'm getting off this job. I still have people saying, You're not really a filmmaker. <laughs> Oh, now I yeah, yeah, we do oh, now. Wow. Even still now. I have people say, can we just be done with them? And you're crazy. 
I call those people dream stealers, yeah. and they they've decided to not live their authentic selves. And when they see somebody else living their authentic selves and following their dreams and achieving their dreams, yeah. they get reminded that they've settled on something else and made an excuse that, well, I can't be a poet, well, I can't be a writer, yeah. well, I can't work with horses. You can do anything you want to, but you really do have to put the effort in. The yeah. Start off with a dead hooker in a truck. Yeah. Yes. To me, it's still my favorite film title ever. Oh, that was her? Thank was you. you yeah, yeah we had the title before we had anything else, and so said, what it's, what's it going to be about? And I said, I think we're going to have to put a dead hooker in the trunk at one point. Yeah. But beyond that, anything goes. Otherwise, people would be like, why did they call it that? We <laughs> <laughs> always wanted to do a sequel, Dead Rooker in a Trunk. Yeah, because we love Michael Rooker. We love it, and you know, Dead Hooker in a Trunk is our version of Weekend at Bernie's. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thought I made a comedy, and then people were like, oh, this is horrible. My sense of humor is just a bit darker yeah. than most. It's on par with the Brits, though. <laughs> so I finished watching Rabbit, yeah. which was amazing. Oh, I, I rewatched the original Cronenberg like, oh! two days ago. I've seen it many times yeah. before, yeah. but I thought I'm going to not compare it, yeah. but yeah. I want to rewatch the original and then watch the Soska version. Yeah. Good timing. They, they are very different, yeah. but yes. they keep the essence. Yeah. Of the original one. Oh, Thank you. Thank so you. it's not like, I mean, we've all seen remakes. We yeah. go, oh, this is coming up, this is coming yeah. up, this is coming up. You have, even though I've seen the original Raven yeah. within the past 72 hours, there was still majority of points in that where I'm like, oh, this is where, oh. oh. Even though I'd watched the the core of the story, oh, that's the Cronenberg so one. good to hear. Yeah, it there was uh, there were some moments in the original that you kind of had to do, but mm. there's you know what the big body horror moment of that movie is, yeah. and people are like, "You guys aren't going to do that for yours, are you?" And I'm like, "Uh, that's a start, and we're going to go bigger than that, and we're going to go crazier, and I'm going to need a whole wall to build a monster now." Um, it's I don't know I. I don't think you should go subtle with something like that. I, I'm People so would be disappointed if you went subtle. Yeah, and they, I don't think I know how to. And it was I don't think you know how to. I know! <laughs> It was a return to body horror too, and I know people were expecting and hoping for something really fucked up from us. And we wanted to set the bar high with the two creatures that, when you finally meet Dr. Cynthia Burroughs, yes, that is one of the moments that I want people to have uh, their breath taken away. Yes. Nice touch with the name William Burroughs. And oh, thank there was, there was you. So many little Easter eggs to Cronenberg that uh, I saw the red gowns. Oh from did you catch the actual William Burroughs in there? I did not catch him. He, uh, Dr. Burroughs is listening to William Burroughs talking about vampirism when he's in his office looking at the picture of Lynn Lowry because most, well, oh, I can't tell you that. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Andrew, That's your first nod that Dr. Burroughs is not his real name. He's just fashioned himself after okay. someone he likes. Yep. Actually, all of the doctors at the Burroughs Institute are named after David Cronenberg's favorite authors. So T.S. Eliot and William Burroughs. And uh, because we really wanted to emulate Cronenberg, we put our favorite author in the film as well, Chuck Palahniuk's Invisible Monsters, yes. with the ripped off face and the sunglasses and the hat and the veils and the shawls around. That was out of his book too. So we really wanted to put our own little naked lunch thing yeah, too. just to say, we read books too. <laughs> and it also shows that you're fans of Cronenberg. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. the love that you've got for his films, it's in the film and you can see it. Oh, thank it you. It does have a different temperature, the film. Yeah. Yeah. Cronenberg, certainly, his early stuff feels very cold. Yes. Rabbit, very warm, neon, oh. and 
No, <laughs> happy. Yeah. <laughs> It's a much oh, more you. vibrant thing. Even at the end of the original rabbit, Rose ends up in a navy blue jumpsuit. We wanted her ours Rose to be more feisty, so she's in a blood red jumpsuit. Yeah, and uh, Peter Mahalachuk, our production designer, and the whole team just went crazy with the color and the designs and the everything in those paintings. Like it was. We were just spoiled with talent on this. Great Canadian team. You've done a fantastic job. Oh, thank You've you. You've probably had such a really long day. No. I'm thinking. But also watching your, your Twitter yeah. feed. You've been all over the world. Yeah, we have. It's crazy. Just, we just yeah. came to Spain this morning. Yeah. It's our first time there. It was such a whirlwind. Such a culture shock, too, because everyone's sleeping in the day and they party all night. Yeah. Our midnight screening was at 3 in the morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. they, they need to change the title of that. Yeah. <laughs> If they said it was 3 a.m., no one would show up. Everyone just sits there drinking like, is it midnight? It seems late. <laughs> so what's it like when... So I'll, I'll wrap it up because I know we've got one other interview oh, for you. Oh, I've got five minutes left. Brilliant. Yeah. There was a girl I saw you meeting and she, she burst into tears. Aw, Megan. Megan. In one way, sad to watch because I'm like, oh, you're, you're crying. But it's the emotion that she had. She's, she's an amazing young lady. She's actually a survivor and... Uh, Watching American Mary gave her a lot of strength to go through a lot and survive through a lot of things that she wasn't dealing with in her real life. And uh, we actually met her at the Fright Fest. Yeah, yeah. And she she had written a letter and she was too nervous to even tell us. So she she tried to put the letter to Jen's hand and she said, "Please take it." And Jen took it. And we're like, "Oh, what do you think that is?" And then we read it and we're like. Wow. She wrote down everything that it was too hard to say. And, you know, I really feel honored with my platform. Everything that people love about me right now, Sylvan and I were relentlessly bullied for. I mean, we were teased and treated horribly. And I really like to talk about mental health, and I really like to talk about positivity. And I also like to talk about the repercussions of being a shitty person and how it affects everybody else. That's kind of a theme of Rabbit as well. The infection now is in our minds, and it comes out through our words and our actions. And why do we even go online and write shitty things to each other? Like, why put any energy into the negative? So it's so important for me to have connections with people like Megan because we both have shared life yeah. experience. And for her, she thinks that, I mean, some people look at me and Sylvan think, yeah. we never suffer, we don't have a hard time because we're so happy. But I think if you're a really loving person, you survived you know, your own darkness. And when you can tell other people, hey, I've been in a dark place and I made it through, it's it's the best gift in the world. I mean, I love doing that and meeting with people like that more than the filmmaking. You can't put a price on that. That's so much more rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Like I watched the, you know, sitting in the auditorium yeah. before you came in. Yeah. And everybody was sat there just waiting for the film to came on. And you both came in and you could feel the energy like oh. going on. <laughs> everybody was all happy and, and you know, people were stood there for a couple of hours yeah. waiting to meet you. And no, not one person was like, I know, we're spoiled. We're, we're spoiled. All, you know, last week guy. Yeah. I got a shot of him. He, he was so cool. Was so yeah, cool. they were so cool. There are even people there going back into lineup for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're back. They were just there in the queue. Oh, I love it. But it was so interesting just watching yeah. everybody wow. queuing up and then uh, the energy levels doesn't wave. So uh, just it means a lot. Keep doing what you do. Oh, thank you. And just, just keep making whatever films you want to you do next. Dead Rooker in a trunk. <laughs> 
heard it here first. We'll call Michael. So what's, what is next? Well, we're working with uh, Martin Katz and Karen Wilkie, who are David Cronenberg's producers. So uh, we are going to be a lot more relaxed in our filmmaking as we've never been before, which is kind of crazy because you're about to see some really really weird movies from us. I've seen all your films. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, you're about to see it just get kicked into high gear with a lot more support. So I'm very, very excited. Um, There's an original movie we've been trying to make for years. In the movie, even Gunter says, next time it's going to be your collection. So that was what we were kind of hoping after we did The Master. Because after American Mary, no one wanted us to do an original movie. That, was, that opened and slammed shut a lot of doors. So to be able to return to something of ours is just so cool. It's, a, it's an original monster movie called Bob. Yeah. So um, there's a, a friend of mine who does co-hosting on my podcast. <laughs> I will give you two on my podcast. Oh, no, no I love we that. We have swapped tweets over the huh? years and stuff, okay. so you'll be aware of me. He was he actually said he hated me because I was about to sit down and meet you. Oh. So, so could you say hi to Stuart Miller and tell him to stop hating me, please? Stuart! So you hate don't, him? Don't hate him. Don't hate him. He's, He's having the worst time ever. Worst time ever. We're such heinous bitches. Oh. You dodged a bullet, my friend. Yeah. Dodged a Fake bullet. Fake bullet. A sauce bullet. See? He saved you. This is a pal. This is a pal. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even more. I don't care because I'm saying exactly where I want to be. So. Thank you very much. Can I grab a signed rendition? Yes. Absolutely. I have to pay my pocket. Sign on my back. Would you like it personalized? Yes, please. Is there any special spelling? S-T-U-A. S-T-U-A-R-T. Yes. I thought the... I was like, where's the rest of it? What happened? I'm shocking the rest of it. Is the red light supposed to flash on this? Yes. All right, so it's not. Oh, no, no. Don't do that. After the wonderful weekend of the Grimm's I now get hit by the reality in the blues. Oh, the it's, blues of, of, uh, it's the come down after these. Oh, my goodness. Oh, don't forget you're connected oh. to us. You yeah. can do my back if you like. Oh, thank you. There's popcorn kernels down here. Oh, no, don't eat them. No, no, no. They, I know you're hungry, but leave. They've probably been down there since, like, Avengers 2. Ha, ha, ha. Since Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh man, guys, we're so old. I remember the first <laughs> Avengers movie. Do you? Back then. I remember the first Superman movie, so. Yeah. Sorry, I remember the first Spider Man movie, and I wish there was a fourth one. Yeah, I even think the third one's way better than any of the new ones, because it's still, yeah. like, doo doo doo. Like, we all make fun of it. It's a little bit old, but, you know, it makes have you ever heard? Have you ever heard him explain it? He said that that's, that's as dark as Peter gets. Like, so when Peter had the. And then when he said it, I was like, that's so stupid. <laughs> like, Peter's like, when I'm evil, I'm like, yeah. 50s villain. I was like, okay. How dark would you be if Venom sort of took a How dark would I be? Have you seen American Mary? I only let her out in my movies. And that's, that's my girl. <laughs> well, everything's what? Um, parallels, you know? As so above and so below. You know, if you're this happy, you have to be American Mary on the other, other side. <laughs> so, quick final question as well while we finish the signatures. 
So I've I told my fiance this, so I'm going to ask this question. Yeah. Don't ask that, they might take offence. They might want to take offence. So if somebody's not aware of the sausages. Yeah, yeah, of course not. What, we, would, what would be your choice of the entry film for your film? I would say American Mary, and especially if it's a if it's a lady that you think doesn't like horror. American Mary is the movie that will convert her, and she's going to be a total horror movie fan. I've had so many guys say, "My girlfriend hated horror movies until she saw American Mary, and now she loves it more than me." Yeah, I don't know. I would say Rabbit because Rabbit is so awesome and so crazy. And if you watch Rabin, you're like, you want to watch something else, show them American Mary after. So they'll be like, oh, the Ave Maria thing. Oh, they hacked themselves. Oh. So make them watch two. Yeah, yeah, watch and watch two. Rabin and American Mary would be an insane double feature. Yeah, I think it would be a great double It would be relentless. <laughs> really I'll depressing. Go for that one. Okay. Thank you very Thank much. You. Can I grab a break? Yeah, of course. Do. I'd love to your fiance, too. Yes, I will. She's. she's uh, thank, thank her for trying to protect me. Protect me from you. Day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC.